Welcome to a special edition of Life is Worth Living, The True Meaning of Christmas, with Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Here now is Joseph Campanella. The scriptures tell us, with God, all things are possible. Also, our faith can move mountains. Faith is a wellspring of wisdom that flows within our spirit. In this portrait of God's beauty, our faith must be taller than the tallest tree. It should reach above and beyond the highest snow peaks. Our faith is God's best gift to us. It is salvation. It is peace. It is truth. Jesus tells us we must have the faith of children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus touched people as he healed them, and as many as touched him, he made whole. I must tell you about a brother of mine who's a, a doctor here in New York in order to illustrate a certain point I wish to get over. When we were children, we used to visit every Sunday afternoon an old couple whom we were taught to call familiarly Uncle Bill and Aunt Hannah. And in the course of the visit, my young brother Tom always used to ask Uncle Bill for a dime. He started this whole affair. <laughs> Except he grew out of it. And one day my mother said to him, Now, Tom, the next time we visit Uncle Bill, please do not ask him for anything. They're very poor, and they can ill afford to give you a dime. Now, will you promise, Mother, that you will not ask? And he said, I promise. We made the visit the following Sunday. Tom was very good, but just as we were driving away, he said... Uncle Bill, you know. <laughs> now, the only point of the story that I wish to get across is that those of you who are knowing and loving will know what I mean when I say, thanks, thanks, thanks. May the Lord bless you. Well, the burden of this telecast is to be the meaning of Christmas, but in order to do it, we must give you some philosophies of life. Uh, Chesterton once said that a philosophy of life was extremely important. He said that when you go to visit a dentist, before the dentist begins to drill your tooth, he has a right to ask you, what is your philosophy of life? Because if your philosophy of life is wrong, he can't be sure that you will pay your bill. <laughs> An old wise Socrates once said, marry. If your wife is good, you'll be happy. If she's an old shrew, you'll become a philosopher. <laughs> Socrates became a philosopher. <laughs> there are only two philosophies of life, basically. And one philosophy of life is this. It is that of man who goes to perfection or happiness, or God, by and through his own efforts. 
this is the philosophy, for example, of Buddhism, Confucianism, Taoism, philosophy of the ancient Greeks. One reached happiness, it was assumed, by contemplating the gods, or as the Eastern religions still believe, by some form of ascesis and self-discipline, by which, for example, in the Eightfold Path of Buddha, you crush all desires and eventually achieve some kind of perfection. This happens to be the philosophy of many today who have a queer kind of psychologism, which often goes by the name, wrongly enough, of Christianity. They hope that by rearranging their mental states or by passing on torches to fellow man or by doing something fairly good in the natural order that they will attain some kind of perfection. Now, that philosophy of life is actually not very solid. And the reason it is not is because we have to recognize that we cannot lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. Cannot lift ourselves by the lobes of our ears. And we all know that barbarism is not something that is behind us. It is something that is beneath us. We know that there is a beast that dwells within us. And at any moment, that beast might break loose. Furthermore, there's a limit to what we can know. And even when we do know, we have enough moral codes. We are powerless to do. There is nothing that gives man such a jolt as being thrown back on his own resources. So there's another philosophy of life. And it is just the opposite. Instead of man going up this way to God, it operates this way. God comes down to man. And this is the true valid experience of the soul, for the soul responds to something rather than takes the initiative. There's a world of difference between the two. Here all the initiative is on the part of man. Here man responds to something. We too often think, for example, that, well, if we have a little spark of love that God will show himself as the flame. Or if we dress up real nice, and wear the costume of virtue that God will be very pleased and he'll begin to love us. That isn't the way it operates at all. God loved us first. A man who's born blind and by an operation sees might at one time think that, oh, the sun just begins and the mountains and valleys and the rivers and streams are just appearing. They were always there. He just discovered them. Every child when he reaches the age of six or seven, begins to realize that the mother loves him. No, the mother always loved him. The mother loved him before he was born. That is why, incidentally, many never realize how much their parents love them until they begin to be parents themselves. But the love is first. So religion is fundamentally a response rather than an initiative on the part of man. And that's the way nature works. Now let me show you the universe. Here's the hierarchy of creation. Uh, this is a peculiar way to, to draw the world and the universe. You know, sometimes when you think of the condition the world is in now, you sometimes wish that Noah had missed the boat. 
And for the benefit of those who think the world owes them a living, it's well to remember that the world was here before they were. <laughs> well, this is the hierarchy of creation. At the bottom are chemicals, then plants, then animals, then man. Running through the universe is this law. Nothing ever mounts to a higher level except the higher thing comes down to it. For example, if the chemicals, the phosphates, the moisture, the air, the sunshine are to be living things, the plant must come down to them. Plant must descend to them. And if the plant could speak, the plant would say, unless you die to your lower existence, you cannot live in my kingdom. But if you die to this lower existence that you have, you will begin to be a living, palpitating thing. And continuing it, if, for example, the plants... Mustn't forget how to spell, otherwise I get a thousand letters. <laughs> C-H-E-M-I-C-A-L-S. Chemicals. <laughs> if the plant is ever to live in the animal, the animal must come down to the plant. And if the animal could speak, it would say to the plant, unless you die to this lower existence that you have, unless you were torn up from near the roots and the earth, unless you were ground beneath the jaws of death, you cannot live in my kingdom. But if you will surrender your lower existence and be responsive to me, then you will be not just a living thing, then you will be sentient. You can see. You can hear. You can touch. You can move. And if the animal is ever to live in man, man must come down to the animal, lift it up, say to it, you can live a higher life, but you must be responsive. Submit yourself to the knife, to the fire. Then you will be a thinking, willing creature that knows science and art and that with a mind can scan the universe and read the secret of the stars. But shall evolution stop here in progress? Chemicals have no right to say there's no life above them. Plants have no right to say there's no life above them. So there is a higher life above man. And that higher life God, and if man is ever to be lifted up, God in some way must come down to man. But it is not that simple. These are natures, not persons. The oxygen is not free. The cabbage has no liberty. The animal has no personality, no rights. But man has. These things can be appropriated one by the other by sheer force. But not even the God who made man free would destroy his freedom. If man is ever to be taken up, he will have to go through some process of discipline, it is true. But if he's ever to be taken up, there must be a free act on the part of man. And... One day there came out 
from the great white throne of light, an angel of light, an angel. See, have you noticed how common angels are now for Christmas? Isn't it wonderful? An angel came out from the great white throne of light and descended down over the plains of Esdralin and came to a woman kneeling in prayer. And through the angel, God said to the woman, Will you give me a man? Will you give me a human nature? Speaking in the name of all humanity, will you, by an act of freedom, say, Here is a man. And she said, Fiat, be it done. A woman's mission is submission, surrender. And that man could not be without love, without fire, without passion. But there are other fires than those of the flesh and other passions than those of Eros. And the fire and the passion and the love descended upon her was the spirit and the flame and the love of God. Nine months passed. One night there rang out over the stillness of an evening breeze out over the white chalked hills of Bethlehem a cry a gentle cry. The sea did not hear the voice for the sea was filled with its own cry. The great ones of the earth did not hear the cry, for they could not understand how a child could be greater than a man. There were only two classes of people who heard the cry that night. Shepherds and wise men. Shepherds. Those who know they know nothing. Wise men, those who know they do not know everything. The very simple, the very learned, never the man with one book, never the man who thinks that he knows. And when they came, they saw a babe whose tiny hands were not quite long enough to touch the huge heads of the cattle. And yet a babe was steering the sun and moon and stars in their courses. Baby feet that did not walk. They could not bear the weight of divine omnipotence. Eyes, eyes that might have read the secrets of every living heart that hour. Under that baby brow was beating a mind and an intelligence that formed the universe, along with a human intelligence that would grow in age and grace and wisdom before God and men. And this babe who was born was not a man who made himself a god, was not a man who was an ethical reformer, not just a teacher like Buddha or Socrates, not someone who would develop a consciousness of Godhead as he went on, but someone who from all eternity was God, 
and began to be in time the only one on earth that ever had a prehistory, a prehistory to be studied not in the dust and the slime of primeval jungles, but in the bosom of an eternal father. Shatters our proud minds to think of it. And think of that great and wise and very learned poet Francis Thompson, whose poetry staggers us with its learning. And one Christmas Eve, he went into a crib near where he lived, church nearby where he lived in England. And he stood there as this great wise man and thought himself as a child and thought of God coming down to this earth as a babe. And then his mind became simple, divinely simple. And he, he said in his poem, Little Jesus, wast thou shy once? And just as small as I. And how did it feel like to be out of heaven and just like me? I should think that I would cry for my house all made of sky. And the tweaking would distress me. Not an angel there to dress me. Hadst thou ever any toys? Like us little girls and boys? And didst thou play with all the angels that were not too tall? With stars for marbles? Did the things play? Can you see me through their wings? Did thy mother let thee spoil thy robes by playing on our soil? How nice to have them always new. Cause in heaven it was quite clean blue. Did thy mother at the night kiss thee and fold thy clothes in tight? And didst thou feel quite good in bed? Kissed and sweet? And thy prayer said, Oh, thou canst not have forgotten all that it feels like to be small. Then take me by the hand and walk and listen to my baby talk. That was just his way of understanding omnipotence in bonds, the maker of the stars under the stars, the creator of the earth, not having place whereon to lay his head. And what does it mean? Why did he come? He did not come to make us nice people. He came to make us new men, change our natures, as everything else in nature is being changed by lifted up. Just suppose, for example, this block of marble suddenly began to bloom. Why, that would be something that does not belong to the powers or the natures or the needs of marble. Suppose these flowers suddenly began to move about from one place on the stage to another, as an animal might, seeking out first camera one, then camera two, and then camera three. That would be something that certainly does not belong to the nature of flowers. And suppose a dog should suddenly walk across the stage 
and begin to recite Shakespeare. But that would be something certainly that does not belong to the nature of a dog. And suppose any of us who are just creatures, just men, suddenly began to be children of God so that the divine nature began to pulsate within us so that we were lifted up by offering our human nature as Mary offered the first human nature so that we could in a lesser way be united with his divine person so that his truth would all that great wisdom would begin to flood our mind and then his will and his love would begin to possess us and would impregnate and suffuse itself over every single love that we had. Oh, if that ever came to pass, and it does come to pass, that would be the meaning of Christmas. That's why the Son of God came to this earth, to make us other sons of God, to make us more than just human beings. It's not easy. It's very hard. You say, oh, I'm a, I'm a beast. I'm foul. I dare not be lifted up. Remember that he was laid in a manger and his companions were beasts. That is our hope, our joy, our peace, our merry Christmas. It began here in the upper room 2,000 years ago. This is my body. This is my blood. Remember me. In a garden he prayed to his father on a night of betrayal, torture, death, far from Galilee. When taken from his rack of torment, in a borrowed grave he lie. On the third day the angel said, He has risen. He did not die. After sharing with friends, he rose to the Father, leaving his spirit love to guide our journey. For he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, together again. People of all faiths recognize Bishop Fulton J. Sheen as one of the greatest communicators of the 20th century. He was born in El Paso, Illinois, in May of 1896. As a young boy, he knew he wanted to be a priest. He served as an altar boy at St. Mary's Cathedral in Peoria, Illinois. At St. Viator College, his education and debating skills taught him the skills he used throughout his life. His unique ability at being natural and at ease in front of any audience was noted early in his ministry. He was ordained in 1919 and went on to become one of the best-known and greatly loved priests in church history. He wrote 96 books and hundreds of articles and columns. He broadcast numerous radio and TV programs. People from all faiths watched him on television because he spoke to every man. They always waited with joy for his goodbye, his blessing, God love you. It continues to give us joy and memories. Bye now, and God love you. Bishop Fulton J. Sheen went to be with the Lord in December of 1979. Fulton J. Sheen, requiescat in pace.
Hi, I'm Al Cresta of Cresta in the Afternoon. A Hindu rejected as absurd the idea that God could take on human flesh until he came across an anthill. Bending down to study it, he realized that his shadow caused the ants to scurry away. To get to know these ants, he would have to become one of them. God stoops and becomes as we are in order that we might be raised and come to know him. So, glory to God in the lowest. EWTN. This is Father Ken Bricanti. Catholic Radio reaches a vast audience of people. It's an excellent tool of evangelization in the 21st century. So radio is the best way for us to get to know the Lord, and then we can love Him and serve Him and prepare ourselves in this life to be with Him for all eternity. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Is the word Christmas really that controversial? G.K. Chesterton says, Those two syllables that form Christmas are two words that have done more to tear the world apart than any other words, Christ and Mass. When we say Merry Christmas, we are affirming the most controversial creed in all of history, the Incarnation. We are saying that God himself became flesh and blood. We are saying that bread and wine become flesh and blood. There are people who don't believe that, but we do. And nothing should stop us from proclaiming it and celebrating it, because it is indeed tidings of great joy for all the earth. God has saved us from our sins. Merry Christmas. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. The words of Blessed Carlo Acutis. The Eucharist is the highway to heaven. And this. Continuously ask your guardian angel for help. Your guardian angel has to become your best friend. All day, all night, all Christmas. The 48 Hours of Christmas continues on EWTN Radio. Hi, I'm Father Shannon Collins of the Fathers of Mercy, and I have the great privilege of being the resident priest at Our Lady of the Angels Monastery and the Shrine of the Most Blessed Sacrament in Hansville, Alabama. And I welcome you to this beautiful place in which we prepare in a real way for the Christmas season. St. John the Baptist was the great herald of the Messiah. He introduced the coming of the Lord to us to be our Savior, the Word made flesh for us. In a real way, we have to somehow imitate St. John the Baptist, actually ushering in our dear Lord into people's hearts, and ultimately even ushering in the Lord in his second coming. A wonderful group that both sings and plays instruments called the Heralds of the Gospel will be performing uh, many Christmas hymns. In a way, this is a wonderful way to prepare men's hearts for the coming of the Savior, for his visit. And we hope that having heard them, you may invite the good Lord evermore into your heart. When he does knock, asking if there's any room at the inn, you will say yes. And I hope that you'll enjoy the heralds of the gospel.
think of Christmas, I think there's one piece in particular, one musical piece that summarizes, that brings together the spirit of Christmas in a most beautiful and total way. And it's a piece that, incredibly enough, a musical piece that has been translated into numerous languages worldwide. Its uh, composition took place, really, you can say, as, as part of an accident. And it took place when, it seems, an organ in a church broke down, and all they had was a guitar, and uh, one of the parishioners in a church, inspired by the uh, snowfall that was coming down on the 24th or the 23rd of December, he saw that, and he became inspired to write a piece of music. And afterwards, he went to the church to present it to the priest for that Christmas Eve, when they weren't going to have an organ. They had another priest present who was going to play uh, the guitar, and they presented Silent Night. Silent Night, which in one way or another expresses in a sublime way that joy of Christmas, that beauty of Christmas, that, that serenity and peace that Christ wanted to share with everyone in the world with his birth. And Silent Night is a piece that we'd like to share with you as well.
Generally speaking, uh, when a person first encounters the heralds of the gospel or they, they, they want to know how to join the heralds of the gospel, what we offer is for that person first to read a little bit more about our spirituality, our charism, the works that we do. Following that, we encourage them to participate in some of the life of community. If they feel that they are called to a life in community, we'd like them to participate in that, in that life. And so they sometimes come on weekends to our community houses, and there they spend time in, uh, in prayer with us, spend time during meals with us, and even spend time evangelizing with us. And in that way, they're able to fully experience the life of the heralds of the gospel and begin to discern whether this is truly something that God is calling them to. And as well, we have uh, many youth programs that exist in all the countries where we exist, in all the homes we organize youth programs, to encourage and to open up the eyes of young people to the wonder of our spiritual life, to the wonder of, uh, of serving the Lord and of being a sign of Christ within the world. And through that, we're able to inspire countless numbers of vocations, vocations to the priesthood, vocations to the religious life, as well as vocations to the heralds of the gospel. And our goal and desire in all of our youth ministry is to open a young person's heart and soul to God. In opening their heart and soul to God and giving them, giving them a little experience of religious life, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, and His Blessed Mother, they take care of the rest.
St. Augustine said, to sing is to pray twice. And truly, we can see that is the way. In our day-to-day -day life, as heirs of the Gospel, we pray the Rosary together, we go to Holy Communion, usually together, but when we most feel the presence of God, when we most feel that we are pleasing Our Lady, is when we sing. Because that comes from our heart. That comes when we're together, whether those that can sing or those that can't sing, when we get together and look to Our Lady, look to our Lord with that song, we know we forget our surroundings, we forget what's around us, and we feel we're in direct contact with the supernatural, with heavenly things. It's not by chance that they say the angels, when the child Jesus was born, the angels came down and sang. There's something about singing. We can almost imagine that in heaven, we won't speak to each other like we do here on earth. In heaven, the convivium will be so wonderful. We will sing to each other. We'll sing about Our Lady's praises. We'll sing about the good things the baby Jesus did. Words will not be enough to express all the good, all the graces they gave to us. It'll be necessary to compose new music, to be able to compose new songs and together beautiful harmonies to praise the glories of God. of the gospel as well, a very special celebration, and really not just within the heralds, around the world, we see that a certain grace touches the world at the time of Christmas. Christmas is a time when somehow throughout the world, even though people may not even be so religious, they're somehow moved by that wonderful event when Christ, when God, came down, became incarnate as a child, and was born and given to us as a little baby. And that time is reflected 
in the countless numbers of carols of Christmas music that we see throughout the world from so many cultures they manifest that awe that that joy that that wonder at seeing Christ being given to us as a child in Bethlehem and we often present music during Christmas to inspire and encourage people to remember that blessed and wonderful event.
We hope you enjoyed this wonderful performance of the Heralds of the Gospel. And I do wish you and all the people of the Shrine, the Most Blessed Sacrament, wish you the most merry and most happy Christmas and a glorious New Year. Merry Christmas from EWTN. Cause he
Kelly Mast of Mast Appeal, pondering the Christmas carol, O Holy Night. My favorite line is, Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Do you feel your worth? Do you know how much God loves you? God so loved us that he gave his only son so that we could be saved from our sin and error. So let's rejoice in God's love this Christmas, and let your soul feel its worth. Hi, this is Deacon Dennis Lambert from the Diocese of Phoenix. When we listen to Catholic Radio, we receive encouragement, strength, and most importantly, we receive the truth. Simply put, we need Catholic Radio because we are and we become that which we surround ourselves with. So I encourage you to tune in, inspire up, and to wrap yourselves in the warm arms of faith, life, and love. The world needs EWTN Catholic Radio, now more than ever. Hello, I'm Michael Warsaw, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of EWTN, and I want to wish you and our EWTN family around the world a very blessed and Merry Christmas. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. Dear family, let us pray together Mother Angelica's prayer for the United States. Lord God, I ask in all humility that you bless this country as unworthy as we are. Protect it from every evil. Protect it from the enemy. Protect it, Lord, that it may accomplish thy will and keep thy commandments. I ask, Lord, with a pleading heart to look down upon us in our unworthiness. Give this country a renewal of devotion to you, to your law, and to your commandments, Lord. Let us be once more a country under you, Lord. May we once more say, in God we trust. Guide us and protect this country from every evil and every harm. Amen. Touching Hearts with inspirational programs on the saints, the Holy Eucharist, and Sacred Scripture. we pray together is a powerful prayer. So please pray together with me our EWTN family prayer.
Today we pray for the poor and the hungry. Almighty God, we praise you for your providence which never fails. We do not worry for tomorrow, but we seek first your kingdom. Stir up the hearts of many and make them instruments of your providence to the poor and the hungry. Inspire those who have an excess to share with those in need. Remove government oppression and open their leaders' hearts to the starving and poor in their midst. Let justice and charity spring up so that all may have enough. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Take this, all of you, and eat of it. For this is my body, which will be given up for you. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood. This is the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network's airing of today's Mass. From the EWTN Radio Chapel in Birmingham, Alabama, welcome.
the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fall, through my fall, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life.
Let us pray. Grant, we pray, Almighty God, that as we are bathed in the new radiance of your incarnate word, the light of faith which illumines our minds may also shine through in our deeds. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. See the Lord proclaims to the ends of the earth, say to daughter Zion, your Savior comes. Here is his reward with him, his recompense before him. They shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called frequented, a city that is not forsaken. Verbum Domini from the letter of St. Paul to Titus. Beloved, when the kindness and generous love of God our Savior appeared, not because of any righteous deeds we had done, but because of his mercy, he saved us through the bath of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he richly poured out on us through, through Jesus Christ our Savior, 
so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs and hope of eternal life. Verbum Domini. Sancti Evangelii Secundum Lucam. When the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went in haste and found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known the message that had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed by what had been told them by the shepherds. And Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. Verbum Domini Merry Christmas to all of you. 
as we celebrate this solemnity of the birth of Christ, the gospel reading that the church gives us this morning is a continuation from the gospel that was heard last night for the mass during night or a midnight mass. That's from Luke chapter two. And it gives specific attention and focus to the shepherds, right? Who came and to came to adore the Christ child. And we can learn several things from the example of the shepherds as we enter into this celebration of Christmas. First of all, the shepherds were vigilant. They were awake and they were alert. And because of this, they were receptive to that message that the angel had given them, that God had given them through the angel. And the shepherds are an example to us to be awake and to be alert for the Lord's coming. We're also called to this vigilance. And secondly, the shepherds are an example to us of how to respond to God's promptings. When the shepherds heard the message that the angel of Christ, that the angel had given them about Christ who was born and how they could find him, St. Luke tells us in the gospel that they went in haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. Remember, this is the same response. This is, Luke described this nine months previously when Our Lady had heard that her cousin Elizabeth had become pregnant. St. Luke says, Mary went in haste with the same response. She went in haste to, to assist her cousin Elizabeth in her pregnancy. Likewise, the shepherds did not delay in responding to this great news of joy this news from the angel. They went in haste and they found the infant lying in the manger. And rather than waiting for a more convenient time for them and their schedule, they acted right away, saying, let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. It's also significant that they encouraged one another to go, right? It wasn't them individually. We hear, let us go then. Right? We need to also encourage one another to grow in holiness, to follow the Lord's promptings, his words. Let us go then to Bethlehem to see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they made God their priority. They're willing to act without delay when God was prompting them, telling them to do something. Pope Benedict XVI had this to say about this prompt response of the shepherds. In a homily that he gave at the Midnight Mass in 2012, he said, The shepherds made haste. Holy curiosity and holy joy impelled them. In our case, it's probably not very often that we make haste for the things of God. God does not feature among the things that require haste. The things of God can wait, we think and say. And yet he is the most important thing ultimately the one truly important thing. Why should we not also be moved by curiosity to see more closely and to know what God has said to us? At this hour, let us ask him to touch our hearts with the holy curiosity and the holy joy of the shepherds. And thus let us go over joyfully to Bethlehem to the Lord who today once more comes to meet us. Thirdly, and closely connected with this sense of making haste, the shepherds are a good example to us of a willingness to move. They're willing to make a journey to go where the Lord was. 
We can make a connection here with our willingness to undergo continual conversion in our lives, to be willing to move closer to the Lord each and every day, to seek to root out sin and obstacles to God's grace in our lives. Remember, St. John Henry Newman would say that to live is to change and to be perfect is to have changed often. That willingness every day that we don't get stuck in our ways, that we're willing to change. To ask the Lord, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What changes do I need to make in my life to draw closer to you? And next we see what that transformation looks like when the shepherds were alert and they were awake and they followed that prompting that the Lord had given them through the angel. St. Luke says that when the shepherds returned from their encounter with the Christ child, that they were glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. So they're filled with joy. And they could now truly take that good news to others. I'm sure they couldn't contain it within themselves. They were full of joy. They just encountered God, their Savior. This was not the joy that the world promises, right, from the latest gadget or technology. But there's often empty promises that these will help fulfill our every desire. Real joy comes from encountering God, from encountering God and possessing him. The shepherds realized the tremendous blessing they had just encountered in seeing the Christ child in the manger. This was their savior in their very midst. And this joy they experienced is also offered to us as we realize the great gift that God has given us in himself. And the joys we experience in life from the awareness of God's closeness to us, that ultimately strengthens us for the crosses that will and do come our way. We can always go back to those moments that the Lord has clearly been working in and through our lives. And that joy that the shepherds experienced is expressed in both the prayers and in the music for the Mass. We're grateful for the presence of our choir here this morning for providing such beautiful and sacred music, which truly does lift the mind and heart to God to help us enter into more deeply this prayer of the Church, this act of worship of our God. And singing is a very powerful way to express the joy that is within us, that comes from God. In his book, The Spirit of the Liturgy, then Cardinal Ratzinger wrote that when man comes into contact with God, mere speech is not enough. Areas of his existence are awakened that spontaneously turn into song. Indeed, man's own being is insufficient for what he has to express. And so he invites the whole of creation to become a song with him. And what a great occasion to turn to sacred music and hymns as we have entered into this solemn celebration of the birth of Christ. And in light of this, the church returns also today to the use of the Gloria, which she has gone without during the Sundays of Advent. But in the Gloria, we rejoice right, with the angels, praising God, glorifying God for the gift of sending his son to us to save us. And the Gloria reminds us that the greatest praise and thanks that we can offer is due to God for all the blessings and graces he's given us and especially for giving us his son. The Gloria also emphasizes that peace will be given to those who glorify God and have good will. That's a fruit of praising God, of glorifying him desiring what is good and right and just, desiring the good of the other. 
Christmas is also a time to recall the connection between the birth of Christ and the Holy Eucharist. It's because of the incarnation, because of Christmas, that we are able to have the gift of the Eucharist, that God became flesh to feed us with his flesh. It's the same Lord Jesus who was born in Bethlehem and laid in a manger, a feeding trough for animals, who also comes down from heaven on the altar at every Mass. He's present among us in the Holy Eucharist. And so today, Bethlehem, which means house of bread, is wherever there is a Mass being offered. This is Bethlehem. Wherever there's a tabernacle in the Blessed Sacrament, that's Bethlehem. God loves us so much that he not only wants to be with us, to be near us, but he wants to be in us. And that's what we have. We receive that great gift in the Eucharist when we consume our God. He desires our union with him and he gives us spiritual nourishment in this sacrament. And he desires, as we hear in St. John's Gospel, he desires that we have life and have it abundantly. And he nourishes our spiritual lives, especially in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. One final point is that as gift-giving is often associated with this great feast of Christmas, it's a great time to renew our gift of self, our gift of our hearts, of our love, of our adoration to God. What pleases him more than when we do give him our hearts, when we do give him our love? And in loving him, we seek to imitate him. We seek to keep his commandments. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And we seek to follow him. So we thank God today that the same Christ who was born in Bethlehem will become present on the altar shortly, and he desires to make his dwelling within us, to truly change our lives for the better, and to become more like him. Please stand as we profess our faith. And the church asks us today as we celebrate the birth of Christ that when we come to the lines referring to our Lord's incarnation, that we kneel in honor of our God condescending to come down among us from heaven. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We offer our love and adoration to the newborn King as we worship God the Father and pray. That the divine child Jesus, the light of the world, may expel the darkness of the world on this holy day. We pray to the Lord. Lord, That through the light of faith, all men may come to profess belief in the one true God and in Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. We pray to the Lord that the leaders of all nations may recognize the dignity and rights of every man created in God's image. We pray to the Lord. Lord, That the joy of Christians at the birth of Christ may also be reflected in our willingness to welcome every child, even in difficult circumstances. We pray to the Lord. Lord, That the dead may see the incarnate God face to face we pray to the Lord. Lord hear our we continue to pray for peace throughout the world, for all those who are suffering from the effects of war. They may be strengthened in their faith. We pray to the Lord. Lord hear our prayer. Loving Father, darkness is forever changed because of the birth of the light, your Son, Jesus Christ. Take all the darkness of our lives and replace it with the radiance of Jesus who is born today and is our Savior, our brother, and our King. We make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May our offerings be worthy, we pray, O Lord, of the mysteries of the Nativity this day, that just as Christ was born a man and also shone forth as God, so these earthly gifts may confer on us what is divine. Through Christ our Lord. Dominus vobiscum, et cum spiritu tuo, sursum corda. Gracias agamus, Domino Deo Nostro. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, For in the mystery of the Word made flesh, a new light of your glory has shone upon the eyes of our mind, so that as we recognize in him God made visible, we may be caught up through him in love of things invisible. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, We sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Therefore, most merciful Father, we make humble prayer and petition through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, 
that you accept and bless these gifts, these offerings, these holy and unblemished sacrifices, which we offer you firstly for your holy Catholic Church. Be pleased to grant her peace to guard, unite, and govern her throughout the whole world, together with your servant Francis, our Pope, and Stephen, our Bishop, and all those who, holding to the truth, hand on the Catholic and apostolic faith. Remember, Lord, your servants. And all gathered here whose faith and devotion are known to you. For them we offer you this sacrifice of praise, or they offer it for themselves and all who are dear to them, for the redemption of their souls and hope of health and well-being, and paying their homage to you, the eternal God, living and true. Celebrating the most sacred day on which Blessed Mary, the Immaculate Virgin, brought forth the Savior for this world, and in communion with those whose memory we venerate, especially the glorious ever-Virgin Mary, Mother of our God and Lord Jesus Christ, and blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and martyrs, Peter and Paul, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude, Linus, Cletus, Clement, Sixtus, Cornelius, Cyprian, Lawrence, Chrysogonus, John and Paul, Cosmas and Damian, and all your saints. We ask that through their merits and prayers in all things, we may be defended by your protecting help. Therefore, Lord, we pray graciously accept this oblation of our service, that of your whole family. Order our days in your peace and command that we be delivered from eternal damnation and counted among the flock of those you have chosen. Be pleased, O God, we pray, to bless, acknowledge, and approve this offering in every respect. Make it spiritual and acceptable so that it may become for us the body and blood of your most beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. On the day before he was to suffer, he took bread in his holy and venerable hands, and with eyes raised to heaven, to you, O God, his Almighty Father. Giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took this precious chalice in his holy and venerable hands. And once more, giving you thanks, he said the blessing and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and the eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium Fidei Vos Cantum 
therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the blessed passion, the resurrection from the dead, and the glorious ascension into heaven of Christ, your Son, our Lord, we, your servants and your holy people, offer to your glorious majesty from the gifts that you have given us, this pure victim, this holy victim, this spotless victim, the holy bread of eternal life, and the chalice of everlasting salvation. Be pleased to look upon these offerings with a serene and kindly countenance, and to accept them, as once you are pleased to accept the gifts of your servant Abel the just, the sacrifice of Abraham our father in faith, and the offering of your high priest Melchizedek, a holy sacrifice, a spotless victim. In humble prayer we ask you, Almighty God, command that these gifts be borne by the hands of your holy angel to your altar on high in the sight of your divine majesty, so that all of us who through this participation at the altar receive the most holy body and blood of your Son may be filled with every grace and heavenly blessing. Remember also, Lord, your servants who have gone before us with the sign of faith and rest in the sleep of peace. Grant them, O Lord, we pray, and all who sleep in Christ, a place of refreshment, light, and peace. To us also, your servants, who, though sinners, open your abundant mercies, graciously grant some share and fellowship with your holy apostles and martyrs, with John the Baptist, Stephen, Matthias, Barnabas, Ignatius, Alexander, Marcellinus, Peter, Felicity, Perpetua, Agatha, Lucy, Agnes, Sicilia, Anastasia, and all your saints. Admit us, we beseech you, into their company, not weighing our merits, but granting us your pardon through Christ our Lord. Through whom you continue to make all these good things, O Lord. You sanctify them, fill them with life, bless them, and bestow them upon us. Et ipsum et cum ipso et in ipso, est divideo patrium omnipotenti, in unitate spiritus sancti, omnis honor et gloria, per omnia secula seculorum. Precepti salutaribus moniti, et divina institutione formati, audemus dicere. Atenoster, vies in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, Sicur in cielo et in terra, Anem nostrum quotidianum, Da nobis odie, Et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicur et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, Lead 
libera nos quesumus domine ab omnibus malis, da propitius pacem in diebus nostris, Europe misericordiae tui adiuti, et a peccato simus semper liberi, et ab omniperturbatione securi, expectantes beatam spem, et adventum salvatoris nostri, Iesu Christi. Christe, quid existi apostolis tuis, pacem relinquo vobis, pacem meam do vobis, nerispicias peccata nostra, sed fidem ecclesiae tuae, eam que secundum voluntatem tuam, pacificare et cuadunare dignieris, vi vivis et regnas in secula seculorum. Pax Domini sit semper vobiscum. the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Rejoice, O daughter Zion. Lift up praise, daughter Jerusalem. Behold, your King will come, the Holy One and Savior of the world.
For those who cannot now receive Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, we offer the following prayer. Eternal Father, I offer up to Thee my intellect, that it may learn to know Thee alone. Sweetest Jesus, I offer up to Thee my memory, that it may remember Thee alone. Holy Spirit, Spirit of Charity, I offer up to Thee my will, that Thou mayest enkindle and warm it by Thy divine love, adorn my soul with Thy seven gifts, and let me become Thy pure temple. Fill me with Thy grace, and prepare my heart to receive spiritually my God. Jesus, my God, as I am unable to receive Thee sacramentally, do Thou receive me into Thy heart, and unite me so perfectly with it that nothing may ever be able to separate me, even for a moment, from Thee. Engulf my misery and my nothingness in the abyss of Thy mercy, that I, changed into Thee, may henceforth live only for Thee, by Thee, and in Thee. Come, therefore, Thou, my only satisfaction, come to take possession of this heart, which belongs to Thee, and cannot live one moment without Thee. Amen. <laughs> 